Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello, hello, everybody. All right. Show notes are big here. Lots to get to. Let me dive right in. I have some audio that I want to play a little bit later. Um, I've got a few education stories, a rather lengthy document from the UN, which is really disturbing. It has to do a lot with sex education in American schools and around the world and what they have planned, as you might expect. It's about as perverse as perverse gets. Uh, we'll see how much of that I get to, and I've got a great deal of jab-related things as well. I will link in the description below a multi-hour documentary that apparently has come out from Health Impact News titled COVIDism, Contagious Deception, and the first part of it is apparently on Odyssey, and then the other parts are on BitChute and Rumble. But I will link the web address that takes you to all of the parts in the description below if you're interested in checking that out. Um, another thing, too, is this. Given, again, the email template that I sent City Council recently regarding their now-dead finance director, of course, he was jabbed, most certainly, um, one of the things that I recommend people do also is gather all of the documentaries that exist about all of this too, and make sure and link those in the description of any email that you send, or certainly in the reference portion, I should say, of any email that you send these individuals. So you've got the Plandemic documentary by Mickey Willis. You have uh, Died Suddenly, of course, by the Stu Peters Network. There's Fluvid 19 from Sean Hibbler. There's this one then, this most recent uh, Sorry, COVIDism, contagious deception. It, th there are numerous examples. Um, the viral, the uh, viral delusion, which of course I've referenced here on the show and, and linked in the description below. Also, you can find that multi-part documentary on Bitshoot. That's a kick in the teeth. That's an absolute kick in the teeth. Anybody looking at those, or at the very least, just reading the reference list right there, it's absolutely undeniable that they're not doing their homework. And these people, again, are going to have a, their backs up against a wall big time. As I've said in numerous episodes, but certainly in the previous one, if they think that they're going to be able to rest easy in the towns and cities where they live, the more and more people who wake up and figure out what's going on, that we've all been deceived, we've all been lied to, and yes, even they have also, it, um, it's, not, it's, well, yeah, it's just not going to go well for them. I'll just put it that way. They're not going to be able to sleep easy at night. I mean, they're evil and they're brainwashed, and, and those two things are a deadly combination and a dangerous combination at that. But we have too much information on our side, and their inability to pay attention to the truth is, is their downfall. Their, their hubris will continue to be their largest flaw. And that actually leads me to the first thing here that I really wanted to mention beyond that. I recommend going and watching Amazing Polly's most recent video. She describes portions of a book and plays portions of the audiobook titled The People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck. And she, she reposted it from uh, 2021, but it's very well done. And if I can summarize it as quickly as I can, he describes in the book, according to her, how these individuals are so, again, brainwashed and so evil 
that they will actually blame us for them not knowing particular things. And they will blame us, the, the knowledgeable and the people who are on the right side of history, as, as best we can tell anyway, certainly from our own pattern recognition and everything that we see going on in front of us. But they'll blame us for knowing the facts. They will blame us for being right. And that right there is really the epitome of their evil, because again, they have no way out. You know, they're completely trapped, these politicians and these individuals. This is why, again, and I know Cliff High has even talked about this, and he's right that we have to bombard these people with emails and send them again on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis. And then, of course, keep that paper trail record on our side. That way, if for some particular reason we end up finding ourselves in court or someone shows up, uh, you know, some law enforcement officer shows up to your door. I mean, I don't recommend talking to them, of course, but the point is, is that you're keeping the records on your end so that they can't dismiss it and say, well, we never got that email. Nonsense. You have the proof. You know you sent it. You have, you have the printed off proof that, that, in fact, you were communicating with them, and in some cases, they were communicating back with you about what is actually happening and, and what they're actually doing and advocating for, which is, uh, of course, the use of a biological weapon to slaughter people. Now, they've done this to themselves because most of them are jabbed, but that doesn't mean that we still can't bombard them with the facts that they're willfully ignoring. So that's really going to be the next email that I send these individuals, and I'm going to send it to all of them. I'm going to send them a list of all of the documentaries that, uh, that I just listed right there. Because again, whether they watch them or not is not my problem. Whether they receive the email is, uh, is of vital importance as far as I'm concerned. So I would just encourage people to do that. And again, if you want to do it with an anonymous email address, or you want to use a VPN because you're afraid that the feds are going to show up to your front door, you know, go ahead and do that. Me personally, I just use my personal email. I don't even use, I mean, I give them my name, address, phone number. I'm like, hey, if you want to call me, call me. If you want to talk about this, let's meet up and talk about this. But, you know, th they're not doing that. In fact, I would be certain that they're meeting behind closed doors, if not emailing one another on their own private emails and saying to all of the recipients of the emails that I send that they're communicating with one another, in particular here at the city level, and they're saying, don't respond to his emails. Whatever you do, do not respond to his emails. That right there again, I'm sorry, that's a crime. That's a crime. They're violating their oaths of office immediately. I'm telling them of a concern that they have a legal responsibility to learn about and pay attention to, and they're not doing that. Now, keep in mind, this is happening everywhere. Because again, look at the people that I've told you that I've contacted, because I have contacted them. A county prosecutor, um, the sheriff's department on two occasions, one face-to-face -face and one over email. The State representative in the local area where I live, who, who works in Columbus, Ohio, we have local elected officials, the city council, mayor, et cetera, et cetera, 
and certainly the school systems. They all know. They've all been sent these emails. But now they're going to get a list of documentaries. You know, for the people who don't like to read. Because <laughs> clearly, they, they're not readers, these people. They're not thinkers. They're not readers. So maybe, you know, if we turned it into a cartoon of some kind and played it in front of them and it was only, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes long, they might actually learn something. But it's evil. As again, uh, M. Scott Peck clearly lays out, and as Polly describes, these individuals are so evil that they will blame us for their own downfall. They will blame us for their own mistakes. They will blame us for their own faults. And yeah, we can't stand for that. And we need to call them out because keep in mind, again, it's remarkably important. I mentioned a while back, a couple episodes back, Cicely sent me a post from Martin Geddes and he was 100% right. He said, we have to fight these people using tactics that are both their own and then tactics that they've never even seen or, nor paid attention to. And in particular, tactics of their own, because they can't stand it when you shovel it back into the, right into their face. They love dishing it out, but they can't take it themselves. And you also have to keep in mind, if these individuals send out emails to the citizens, which we know that they don't, they usually communicate over Facebook, which is hilarious because no one uses Facebook. Most people don't anyway. Is they'll, they'll just send out these alerts or they'll send out a CNN link and that'll be the end of it. They never send out documentaries because the left doesn't make documentaries about what's really going on. They don't send out a list of books because the left, their side, so to speak, doesn't make well, Marxists and Bolsheviks, them too, they don't make books about what's really going on. Peer-reviewed articles, same thing. This is why we, again, have to bombard them with all of these. So that's my rant on that. Uh, just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention. And yeah, there you go. Okay, here's the next thing. Kind of two stories wrapped into one, almost three stories wrapped into one, actually. And I have this right at the top of my show notes, and then sure enough, I ended up finding a post, and it was almost like it was telepathy. Somebody else actually posted this on greatawakening.win and summarized exactly what I was going to say, uh, leaving out the Nashville part of this. So I'll just say this, and then I'll read their post, because again, I'm not on greatawakening.win. I've been kicked off of there too many times, and they won't let me back on. Because uh, there's a lot of lying that goes on over on those boards, and uh, and sometimes I like to correct people, and sometimes they don't like to be corrected. So let's see. Uh, first of all, well, yeah, there's a lot of false history over there, and Earth is a spinning ball, and all this other nonsense, and uh, yeah, and they basically just make fun of anybody who who brings proof their way, which is a bit strange. Either way. You may have heard that apparently, allegedly, although not real, is the, in my opinion, is that Fox News lost or decided to settle out of court with Dominion voting machines and that company to the tune of something like 700 some odd million dollars. Uh, that didn't happen, in my opinion. I've said it on Gab. I'm, I'm just going to say it here. I don't think that happened at all. Fox News, and here's why, Fox News and Dominion were both in on it. 
They were both in on the 2020 steal. Both of them. In fact, I remember it like it was yesterday. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, but it was Eric Sean on Fox News, and they had purposely set up a interview with one of the heads of Dominion Voting Machines and the company Dominion. He was on his program. Again, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was a very milk toast, whitewashed, just kind of bland interview. We didn't do anything wrong. Dominion's not the bad guy. And then Eric, Sean, and Fox News were like, oh, okay, great. Well, thank you for the clarification. We appreciate it. We, 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 we have no reason to believe that you're being dishonest. Have a nice day. Why would they do that? Why would Dominion come on Fox News to clear things up? And, and why would Fox News run cover for Dominion? Simple. They were both in on it. Both of them. Anybody watching the 2020 election knows that it was stolen. You, you never call Arizona first. That never happens. It's never happened in the past. Again, it couldn't be more obvious that it was stolen, frankly. With the way that the states were falling and the way that the numbers were being altered in real time, we remember all of that footage. And we have to keep that at the forefront because that's one of the larger motivators as to what continues to happen here and the atrocities that we continue to see. The, the, the trick in this is getting people to understand that when a news story comes out like that, with two major organizations, Fox News and Dominion, both on the same side of the fraud, making it look as if Fox News is on the losing end because they question Dominion, That didn't happen, but the news story is out there to scare people. That if you criticize Dominion, you'll end up paying us because look what Fox News is allegedly paying them. That's the message that they want out there. That's what they want people to believe. It isn't real. I don't believe it for a minute. Now I want to read this post from Great Awakening. It's perfect. It said the following. Fox News throwing the Dominion case convinced me about as well as Alex Jones throwing the Sandy Hook case. They said the following, quote, it's the same playbook. They know good and well these Dominion machines are being used to rig elections. They know good and well nobody died at Sandy Hook. So they sue, quote unquote, their own controlled opposition and have them throw their case so that they can forever use these phony court cases as proof that Dominion isn't rigging elections and that these fake mass shootings are real, unquote. And that had like 120-some-odd upvotes, which is perfect. I mean, that's right at the level of upvotes where it would would give correct credence and attention to the Post, because they are 100% right. And it was written by somebody titled, Vaccine Causes SIDS. Yeah, they're 100% right. They're 100% right. Now throw Nashville in there. Throw the Nashville story in there. What are they now saying about Nashville? The FBI won't release the manifesto of the shooter. The titles of all of those news articles, the same ones, they all say, what are they hiding? What is it that they're hiding? They're hiding the fact that there is no manifesto. They're hiding the fact that the FBI has to concoct one 
they have to write it in their own handwriting. Or they have to get a teenager to sit down in a chair or a 20-something and write it out to make it look like it was written by this individual, which clearly it wouldn't be. Again, you know, the stories of, of the guns and how they acquired the guns and all of that, it was all fake. All of it was 100% fake. In fact, I put a video in the war video. I think it's the most recent one that's going to come out here shortly. Probably by the time you hear this, it'll be my most recent one, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm already losing my voice. Um, I put it out on Gab, too, and it was sent to me by Jesse James from TikTok, and it was fantastic. It's a guy's breakdown of, again, another crisis actor who's being interviewed by the media inside of her home. She's terrible at it, too, by the way, just a terrible actress. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, they they posted uh, Melissa Joan Hart's audio again. And they claimed, again, that this woman saw these children running out of the school from her apartment complex, which was across the street, down the hill, and through a massive wooded area, which the entire school is surrounded by this giant wooded area. So she didn't see anything. So she's lying about that. But in this video, the guide points it out perfectly. And then he brings up Freemasonry at the end of it and says deception is the name of the game. It's all designed to just trick people and get people to be deceived and then not even think that they're being deceived. It's astounding. But these stories come out all of the time, and they just can't be more fake. Again, why would Fox News pay that amount of money to Dominion when Dominion and Fox News were partners? They were partners in the crime. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, it, it's it, these kinds of stories, and I'll just summarize by saying this before I move on. Those kinds of stories should not be taken at face value and trusted at face value. They just shouldn't. Because, again, it's almost like saying, if you believe that story then, that Fox News paid Dominion that amount of money, then that means that you trust Fox News, Dominion, and the judicial system in our country. That these individuals and these groups and conglomerates, that you agree with all of them. Do you? Do you trust the judicial system of our country? Do you trust Fox News? Do you trust Dominion? Do you trust lawyers? Well, there you have it. I think there's your answer. So, yeah, it's messed up. That's, it goes without saying. I'll, I'll, I'll mention this too, just very haphazardly. I tuned into this to watch just a piece of this live as it was happening, and it was really embarrassing. And honest to God, these these pseudo-intellectuals, you know, these are the kinds of people that Ayn Rand warned us about. The Tim Pools of the world and even Alex Jones and the Michael Malices of the world and, and these people. I think even Blair White was on the stage, and if memory serves, Blair White's a man who dresses like a woman but claims to be a conservative and all this other stuff. And they're all drinking on stage, or at least Alex is, and he's getting up and he's leaving and he's drinking and then he's coming back. But, but they're sitting around. They all have microphones in front of their faces, and, and they're asking each other questions and an, allegedly answering particular things and kind of engaging in, in, a, in a 
debate, I suppose, but not really. It was really a waste of time. And again, I only tuned in for a few minutes and I thought to myself, what the hell's going on? Michael Malice even had his face painted and was wearing some stupid thing on his head. And I'm saying to myself, are these the people that we're supposed to be taking seriously? And I, I, I couldn't help myself. But again, if you're on YouTube and you're watching Tim Pool's show, Look at the number of super chats that are coming in and the amount of money that he takes in. I mean, who pays this guy? Who pays him? It's almost like he's being paid via a contract. He says he's not under contract with anybody, but I don't believe that. Look at the amount of money that he receives from his super chats. It's enormous. It's enormous. People are making $100,000 donations to him on YouTube, on, on his live streams. He's not good. His content sucks. He's having arguments about nothing. And he even knows what his reputation is. He knows that he's a fence sitter. You've heard me say, of course, you can't trust somebody who dresses the same all the time. I mean, he has an image. It's, it's a marketing ploy. But that kind of stuff just disgusts me. I mean, and they're not even talking about anything. That's the biggest problem. They're not talking about the jabs. They're not talking about the importance of homeschooling and leaving the system. They're not talking about alternatives to government and government control. They aren't bringing any of that up. I mean, they might. I don't watch their show. But the point is, is that those need to be the constants, in my opinion, not this so what's Russia going to do with Ukraine and who's the bad guy and blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. There's so many more dimensions of thought that, that, that we can dive down that, uh, that, you know, that those guys will never touch. So there's that. Let me mention this too. Thursday, uh, April 20th, happens to be Adolf Hitler's birthday. And I'll tell you something. Um, I, of course, am still reading Mein Kampf. It's an incredible book. I read the first half of this book when I was in high school. I don't know if anybody out there has read the book. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, there's no way that a person today reads, who knows what's going on, reads the first 60 pages, 58, 60 pages. Hell, you could probably read the whole thing and not disagree with it. But you can't read the first 58 to 60 pages and disagree. It's, it's a remarkable text. Uh, he was an incredible writer. And part of the deception, of course, that exists not only with history, but what else is April 20th now known for? It's 420, which, of course, is numerology associated with pot smoking and dope smoking. So this is what they want people to, and by they, I, of course, mean... Satanists and those who align with them, the controllers, if you will, who you know happen to be Jewish, as it turns out. But these are the individuals again that want people and children, in particular, to pay attention to that. They don't want them to pay attention to the birthday of a man who wrote a remarkable text and at the exact same time tried to fight the world regarding communism, Marxism, Bolshevism the banking system, and secret societies. They don't want you to learn about that. So how do they whitewash and completely destroy 
Adolf Hitler's birthday or even getting people to think about it, let alone look it up and maybe learn something about it. They tell everybody that 420 is now International Pot Smoking Day. So what's happening right now? Bunch of people walking around smoking dope. If that's your thing and you want to do that, go for it. But while you're smoking, why don't you just give Mein Kampf a read? It's a thought. In fact, I'm going to read a little piece right here. You might like this. I put this on Gab for those individuals, again, who are interested in learning about real history, as I am, because once you're deceived, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, you don't want to be deceived again, so why not spend your time learning about the truth? He said the following on page 35. Ask yourself if you disagree with this. He said, quote, The question of nationalizing a people is first and foremost one of establishing healthy social conditions, which will furnish the grounds that are necessary for the education of the individual. For only when family upbringing and school education have inculcated in the individual a knowledge of the cultural and economic and, above all, the political greatness of his own country, then and only then will it be possible for him to feel proud of being a citizen of such a country. I can fight only for something that I love. I can love only what I respect. And in order to respect a thing, I must at least have some knowledge of it. Unquote. Do you disagree with that? See, we can't be afraid to learn. This is, this is the point. This is of vital importance. We, we can never be afraid to learn. We can never be afraid to unlearn. And to pull those old weeds of thought, which really aren't weeds of thought. They're seeds of indoctrination and brainwashing and programming that take root and then turn into weeds of a perceived knowledge that is, in fact, not knowledge of the truth. Those have to be ripped out of the ground. The ground has to be tilled, metaphorically, our minds, our bodies, our souls, and then we have to relearn. Now, I like to think that I've dedicated a great deal of my life to study. I've certainly been in and around the field of education and learning my whole life. I was born into it. But here I am, almost 42 years old, a few months away from turning 42, and I don't see another way to live. I just don't see another way to live other than to continuously study and read and learn and unlearn, and all of that has to happen. I say that for myself. You can make your own decision on that, but dedicating your life to study, I think, is of vital importance. The people like Tim Poole and the Ben Shapiros and, and all of these individuals who are out there, they're fake in every stretch of the, of, of the word, in every stretch of that imagination. They are, they are fake. They are pseudo-studiers. They are not, not wise because the moment you start to bring up something that's factually accurate, they shut you down. That's not, um, that's not dedicating your life to the truth or trying to find the truth no matter where it leads, because eventually a wall of money will show up and then the person will shut their mouth and say, well, uh, we can't say that. 
and then they'll turn around and they'll cash that check and then they'll turn back around and look at their audience and again try to control the conversation in a particular way that's a that's a that's a big problem and that's not a life of study that's a life of deception so thanks for listening to all that uh here's what I'd like to get to first this particular individual was on Steve Bannon's show and they're bringing up uh a rather important topic I will say this. I remember hearing about this individual first on Dr. Dave Janda's show because Dr. Dave Janda, I listened to his show. It's uh, it's not the best radio show in the world by any stretch, but I listened to it basically to see what he's talking about and what he's not talking about. And there's a great deal that he's not talking about. In fact, I will mention this. I've listened to his show so long now and for and for so many years, and it airs once a week on Sunday afternoons from 2 p.m. Eastern until 5. He has guests on, and uh, and back when the jabs were rolling out, he had a very interesting take on the jabs. His take was, and the line that he would consistently say is, and I'm quoting him here, he would say, I'm not telling you to not take the jabs, and I'm not telling you to take the jabs. I'm telling you to get informed consent from your doctor and do your own research. That was his line. He said it all throughout 2021. He said it well into 2022. And then I want to say somewhere around the summer or fall of 2022, he changed his tone and he actually started to take credit for telling people to never take this bioweapon. That became the line that he started to say. And I thought to myself, no, you don't get to you don't get to slip out of that one. He was again is is very specifically saying the line, I'm not telling you to take it, and I'm not telling you to not take it. Now think about that. I mean, he again, in his full credit, he was telling people to do their own due diligence, do their own research, get informed consent, learn about all of it. But he didn't take the stance that, of course, I've taken from the start, even dating back to 2020, which is, don't take this. It's made by eugenicists. It's a eugenics poison. You'll die. You'll get sick. And that will eventually probably lead to your death. That's not the stance he took. So that's kind of my my beef with him. I, I haven't stopped listening to his show. He was kind enough once to have me on as a guest on his Insider Insight show, actually right at the right at the brink of all of this nonsense. It um God, when was that? December of twenty nineteen, I believe, was when I was on his show, if if memory serves. If not if not before then i could i could have the the year wrong but i think that was pretty much it and uh and yeah either way he's had a guest on who i believe is based out of michigan certainly the uh yeah michigan area chicago well chicago area i suppose and her name is elizabeth yor and this individual, I want to read you her, uh, her bio here because it's attached on this Gateway Pundit article. 
she specifically, again, is on Steve Bannon's show, and she's talking about how the UN is pushing a report that declares pedophilia a human right. And that this is why the U.S. needs to get out of, of, of the U.N. and stop funding the U.N. And I agree with her on, on that. I find her bio to be strange, though, and you'll know why as soon as I read it here. It says the following, quote, Your children, Y-O-R-E is how you pronounce or spell her last name, is dedicated to the protection and advocacy of children around the world. Elizabeth Yore the founder of Your Children, Y-O-R-E, is an international child advocate attorney whose legal career spans a wide range of legal issues relating to the exploitation of children. Now here's where it gets suspicious. Elizabeth served as a special counsel to Oprah Winfrey as her child advocate, both at Harpo, Inc., and at the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa. Previously, Liz held the position of general counsel at the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, where she created the first missing children unit for runaway wards, and collaborated with federal law enforcement on human trafficking prosecutions. Elizabeth was the general counsel and director for the International Division at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Virginia. She handled domestic and international child abduction cases there. Unquote. I, uh, I'm sorry. You know, there's a lot of red flags there. How could this woman be so close to this subject? And those people and those locations, geographically speaking, and uh, and be a good guy all of the time in, in in this entire thing. I just I find it strange. Again, the Oprah Winfrey connections, please, it's beyond suspicious. In any case, with that aside for just a moment, let me play this audio. Again, this is her on War Room with Steve Bannon. And even Steve kind of brings up Q posts right at the beginning. The Q people, he calls them. Honest to God. And then he uh, kind of kind of makes a dig, but then doesn't. And then kind of compliments people when it comes to, again, researching pedophilia and all the connections. The, the odd thing here, of course, is there's an Oprah Winfrey connection here to this Liz Your gal. So. Yeah. I'm just going to play the audio, though, because, again, I have a larger document that I want to get to here in a little bit that specifically talks about this. And then, um, yeah, I'll just continue with things. So here's that audio of Liz Yore on Steve Bannon's show in three, two, one. Liz Yore, United Nations. Walk me through. You've got to walk me through the logic of this. I don't understand it. It does play, and people that mock the Q guys and mock the thing, and I've I, I, in the past saying, hey, anybody says white hats, just doesn't know what they're talking about. But you see this, and, I mean, you tell me, what is this thing with the United Nations and the, and the no criminalization of any kind of contact with young people by adults on, on, on the sexual uh, the predator nature? What, what is going on here? Walk me through this. Well, you know, I fear this day. Um, many child advocates for years have been warning about the normalization and 
decriminalization of pedophilia. And lo and behold, um, no, no surprise, the UN has issued a report that's been apparently in the making for five years, and it's been pushed by the International Commission on Jurors. So there's many judges on this report from all over the world. In fact, there's professors from Georgetown Law, um, our alma mater, Steve, and Yale. Um, and this is essentially what the United Nations is doing. And once you hear this Everything is going to now fall into place. You will see what the agenda is. The United Nations is now declaring that pedophilia is a human right. And this so-called human right should not be criminalized or prosecuted. They're clearly saying that minors can consent to sex with an adult. Now, in the Judeo-Christian legal system, we know the okay, children. Okay. Ho, 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 ho. Slow down. Slow down. Slow because I know you're going to get blown up. I just want to go back. Tell me. Give me the report, the official title of the report. Sure. I want people to be able to link to it. And just give me yeah. again what the, the thing hasn't been voted on or approved, but it's an official report five years in the making. What's the title of the report? What UN establishment? And, and then people can read it. Get, and what does the report say? Um, and you can see it at your children, my um, website. I posted it. It's called the Eight March Principles for a Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Prescribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. And it's on the UN AIDS website. And it gives legal advice on issues related to sex involving children under the age of 18. Um, so this report um, is, I think, the next generation of we have abortion rights, we have LGBT rights, we have trans rights, and now we're going to have pedophilia rights. And for all those parents who've been scratching their heads saying, you know, they're grooming our kids, you know, with this um, in kindergarten, in preschool, with books and sex ed. What is going on? This is what's going on. They are softening the target so that this report can be the basis of pushing for a worldwide decriminalization of sexual exploitation of children. We don't need any more laws on this issue. Steve, we've got state and federal laws that are very strong on protecting children. But this is what the elite, global elites have always wanted to legitimize pedophilia. And in the, I've never okay. seen a report like this. I have never seen a report. The opening statement is from a, um, a former judge, retired judge in South Africa, who is a very prolific gay activist. And he talks about himself in the report. And he said, for many long years in the law, as a proud gay man, I know profoundly how criminal law signals which groups are deemed worthy of protection and which are deemed worthy of condemnation and ostracism. So they are going to destigmatize pedophilia. That's yep. the agenda here. Yep. And, um, yep. you know, it Liz, shouldn't come as a... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into more. I just want to make sure the report's out there. People can read it and it goes up on your site. Uh, how do people get to you, both the site to get the report and then your analysis you put up on social media. Where do people go? Sure. Uh, the report is up on your, Y-O-R-E, 
Children, my website.com. And I'm everywhere um, on all social media platforms under Elizabeth Yore. Um, so the report's up there. I'll be commenting more on it. This is a heads up to parents. And this report is not going on a shelf, Steve. This report is going oh, operational. No. This, it's going operational. Yeah, and this is the reason why Trump wanted to defund the nations. The UN. Trump was 100% correct on this. We're going to have a call to action on this. Again, it's awful. That goes without saying. It's awful. We know that the UN is a criminal organization. In fact, they've always been the largest child trafficking organization that exists in the world. You may recall a long story. Well, not a long story, but a story from a long time ago where I, where I was describing how I was in Australia once for a mental and emotional health conference. And one of the, well, two of the individuals, I guess, who gave a keynote speech, and they were very robotic women, very strange, younger women, but almost like robots, one more than the other. But she was from the UN and was very proud that she was one of the WEF slash UN global leaders. It was a creepy conference and a lot of brainwashed goons in the room. And it was Australia, so no offense, but I mean, many of them had no idea what the hell was coming or what was going on. And this was back in 2019. And, uh, it was just, I mean, it was alarming. In particular, again, the robotic woman was describing her role at the UN and trying to help children and, and gather children from around the world. And I'm listening to this, and the only thing I'm thinking about is child trafficking, child trafficking, child trafficking. It was the only thing running through my mind. So again, she was either a useful idiot in the sense that she had no idea what the UN was actually doing or what they were capable of. She even sat in. I mean, she was even in the audience uh, when I was giving my presentation to the room, which was funny because I was looking right at her and she was looking away and taking notes and whatever else. And I'm saying to myself, you know, do you really want the UN on your resume? Do you not know what they do? Are you, are you not aware of that? And uh, yeah, it was just bizarre. But as far as Elizabeth Yore is concerned, my only question for her would be the following. Are you aware of the ties between Oprah Winfrey and child trafficking? That's it. That would be my question. I mean, this woman represented Oprah Winfrey when it came to female and children's rights. That, that, that connection is beyond strange. So I want people to, I mean, you're probably figuring out how my mind works. I don't trust people. <laughs> kind of, that's, that's kind of a good starting point. It allows me to actually just view everything uh, sort of very plainly up front. You know, when you lack general trust, you can just see things and absorb copious amounts of information. Why is it that Elizabeth Yore has the resume she has, specifically regarding inner cities, Oprah Winfrey, South Africa? And this document that she's referencing has an introduction written by a guy from South Africa, and yet she's the one here criticizing it, not defending it. But why is it that she has such close ties to all of those locations and people? Do you see what I mean? It's just, it's strange. I've always thought it was strange. Even listening to her on Dave Janda's show, I've thought to myself, her resume is beyond weird. 
because it's not aligning with groups that we think of as actually helping children. It's quite the opposite. And yet she you know, labels herself as, as a child advocate, advocate rather, and a, and a lawyer to protect children. I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. My spidey senses are tingling with, with her, and, and that's the way that that is. But here's the document. It is approximately uh, 27, 26 pages long if you include the authors and the individuals associated with this. Oh my God. And it's not good. It really isn't good. You have UNESCO, which again, child trafficking organization, international human rights lawyer. Anytime I see that, I think, nope, this is not good. Adjunct re- research professor from the University of Southern California, Institute for Inequ- on Inequalities in Global Health. Global, global, global. United Nations research. These authors are terrible. This is an this is a horrible horrible document. Um, my God in heaven. I'm gonna link this document on the website also under um, government documents. There you go. Sorry, brain fart. I'll put it under the government documents section of my website along with the other document which I wanted to go over, which is titled "The International Technical Guidance on Sexual Education." an evidence-informed approach. Um, And again, this is also put together by the United Nations, UNESCO, which is United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Not to mention they have their their gay uh, wheel of fortune, rainbow wheel, the sustainable development goals, which we've all seen, I'm sure, that lapel pin that showed up on Boris Johnson's lapel and Justin Castro in Canada and everybody else back in the day. Uh, But I want to go through that document slightly here also. But man, these documents. Let me read the table of contents of the one that was uh, referenced here by by Liz Yore. Again, titled The Eight March Principles for a Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Prescribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, homelessness, and poverty. And they have this mannish woman cartoon uh, wrapped in what looks like barbed wire with their hands on top of their head looking like they're being constrained in some way. So they have this tranny figure who apparently looks like they're in peril because, I don't know, they've engaged in all of these atrocities. It's beyond weird. Um, Let me see here. I'll tell you what, I'll read the, let me read the table of contents. There's, because again, there's a a foreword, which is written by a Edwin Cameron, retired justice, constitutional court of South Africa, inspecting judge, judicial uh, inspectorate and uh, correctional services. It's apparently their title. So I don't trust them at all. Here's the table of contents. There's introduction, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then there's three parts to this. The first part is general part number one. It's titled Basic Principles of Criminal Law. Principle of legality, harm principle, individual criminal liability, voluntary act requirement, mental state requirement, and grounds for excluding criminal liability. 
There's a second part, which is called Criminal Law and International Human Rights Law and Standards, which includes Principles 7 through 13, which involves human rights restrictions on criminal law, legitimate exercise of human rights, which again, pretty much summarizes the whole document. They're trying to legitimize all of these things, these crimes, as being an exercise of human rights. Criminal law and prohibited, uh, prohibited rather discrimination. Criminal liability may not be based on discriminatory grounds. The next principle, principle 11, limitations on criminal liability for persons under 18 years of age. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It just goes on and on and on here. Again, skips all the way down to principle 21, life-sustaining activities in public places and conduct associated with homelessness and poverty. That's the final principle in the third part of this whole thing. They also have sex work, consensual sexual conduct, sex work, HIV, drug use and possession. Let me get to the sex work one. I want to see what they want to normalize with this. This is bizarre. This is, this is strange. Page 23. Bear with me here for just a second. Here we go. Principle 17, sex work. The exchange of sexual services between consenting adults for money, goods, or services and communication with another about advertising on offer for or sharing premises with another for the purpose of exchanging sexual services between consenting adults for money, goods, or services whether in a public or private place, may not be criminalized. Absent coercion, force, abuse of authority, or fraud. Criminal law may not prescribe the conduct of third parties who, directly or indirectly, for receipt of a financial or material benefit under fair conditions without coercion, force, abuse, or authority, or fraud. Facilitate, manage, organize, communicate with another. Advertise, provide information about. Provide or rent premises for the purposes of the exchange of sexual services between consenting adults for money, goods, and services. Legalized prostitution. Legalized pimping. Legalized sex houses. That's what they want. It's right here, plain as day. That's this entire document. Honestly, and people endorse this and they list all their names. Beyond strange. Tracy Robinson, professor of law, the University of the West Indies. Again, California lawyers in here also, University of Toronto, uh, Stockholm. I'm just bouncing around here. Another one from Toronto. Here you go. Yale University, Alice Miller. Juris Doctorate, Co-Director of Global Health Justice Partnership for the Yale Law and Public Health Schools, Yale University, USA. There you go. God, these people disgust me. They are just gross, aren't they? But this right here, it's Weimer 2.0, ladies and gentlemen. Weimer problems deserve Weimer solutions. You know what I mean? This is disgusting. Okay, I'm t- I'll tell you what. This bounces right over to this very quickly. Um, and I almost want to spend, again, an entire episode on this document also. But this is titled, and I'll link it in the, uh, on my website under government documents, that giant list of downloadable government documents. 
titled The International Technical Guidance on Sexual Education. It's a lengthy PDF. It's approximately 139 pages. As you might imagine, I'm not going to go through all of it in this episode, but I do want to uh, I do want to get to this, which is a brief article sort of slowly describing it or briefly describing it, I should say. It's from the website stopworldcontrol.com. And they say the following here. The agenda to normalize pedophilia through the worldwide education system. This report warns parents and teacher and teachers all over the world about the official WHO and UN agenda to sexualize little children for the purpose of normalizing pedophilia. The World Health Organization and the United Nations have issued documents to all the nations of the world instructing all kindergartners and elementary schools to teach little children to start masturbating, have sexual partners, and use online pornography. School posters are widely distributed that encourage children to engage in homosexual activities with their classmates, and books are recommended that tell little kids all about oral sex. Children's books are promoted that tell stories about teachers having sex with their pupils, Schools are organizing sex games during which kids take the genitals of classmates in their mouth or masturbate on another. Or, I'm sorry, masturbate one another. There we go. Uh, As part of the comprehensive sexual education, quote-unquote, issued by the World Health Organization and United Nations. The instruction given to teachers is that all children should be encouraged to start with sex as soon as possible. Meanwhile. Judicial documents are issued worldwide to decriminalize sex between children and adults, which, of course, is part of the document that I just read. Uh, They have three documents here linked. Some of uh, it says some of the many official documents featured in this report are the World Health Organization standards for sexual education in Europe. The United Nations International Technical Guidance on Sexual uh, Sexuality Education, which is the PDF that will be on my website, and the International Planned Parenthood Federation. Exclaim, it says, Young People's Guide to Sexual Rights. If you're curious as to who this is being done by and who's behind this, okay, it's Bolsheviks, Marxists, who happen to be Jewish, and they worship Satan. That's the best that I can summarize. It's that simple. And of course, it's people who are blackmailed and people who are uh, receiving a great deal of money to push this and so on and so forth, all for the purpose of destroying civilized society and getting people to kill themselves. Of course, confuse them and that long list of, uh, of occurrences that, that take place. This particular article summarizing these documents continues, and it says, Teaching Little Kids to Have Sex. The document, standards, the document titled Standards for Sexuality Education in Europe, published by the World Health Organization, contains the following instructions for kindergartners and elementary schools. Are you ready? Here it comes. Children between zero and four years old must learn about masturbation and develop an interest in their own and others' bodies. Children between four and six must learn about masturbation and be encouraged to express their sexual needs and wishes. The next one, children between six and nine years must learn about sexual intercourse, online pornography, having a secret love, and self-stimulation. 
And the last one, children between 9 and 12 years, children should have their first sexual experience and learn to use online pornography. And then they have a picture of three children with smiles on their faces. You can't make it up. It says the following pages are from the Standards for sexual Sexuality Education in Europe, and it says notice the age group. Zero to four. The human body and human development, they have information, skills, and attitudes, all different uh, categories on this chart. Fertility and reproduction. And then sexuality is another standard, and then emotions. And they have highlighted here, I could read the whole thing, but they have highlighted just within this particular article a section under sexuality. Keep in mind, this is zero to four years of age under the information tab here. And it says enjoyment and pleasure when touching one's own body, early childhood masturbation. And then it continues, talks about genitals and so on and so forth. Again, nine, and then uh, there's another page, nine to 12 years old, which you heard me mention earlier. Uh, they should be having their first sexual experience, it says. It also says on that same page, under sexuality, under the skills section for 9 to 12-year-olds, use modern media, mobile phones, internet, and be aware of the risks and benefits associated with these tools. Weird. So it'll say that, but they'll encourage them to use online pornography. Ladies and gentlemen, this is already happening in American K-12 schools. It's not a new thing. The very second that American K-12 schools, elementary, middle, and high schools, introduced the use of cell phones as, in, as instructional tools within classrooms was the moment that they invited all of this perversion into that environment. That slippery slope was, was covered in grease and remarkably steep. It was almost straight up and down, frankly. It was so steep. There was no, there was no avoiding it. This, too, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. This, too, was a faculty meeting that occurred when I was teaching high school quite literally two months before, uh, before I was run out of town for being a whistleblower, that they were allowing cell phones within the high school setting, and you could no longer... Take a, take a student's cell phone, and you could no longer write a, a, a discipline referral for a student for using their cell phone. So what do you think started to happen? What do you think students started to look up on their cell phones? I mean, we know. Yes, they were cheating on tests and quizzes, and yes, they were looking up answers to problems and you know whatever else without studying in advance and thinking about it, but these kinds of perversions and these kinds of things were the things that they were looking up with regularity, and they still do. They still do. I'm going to link this entire article that I'm reading from here on the, on the website stopworldcontrol.com. I'll link it in the description below because you'll have access to these documents if you want them. It's, uh, it's awful. It's just beyond awful, and it's in all of these documents. Just the normalizing of it. Again, the very people who are writing this, ladies and gentlemen, consider themselves to be authors when in fact they're pedophiles. That's all. 
They're normalizing pedophilia within themselves by saying, look, we're authors for humanity. This is all about us. I also don't think it's an accident either. And I should mention this too, that I find it interesting when it comes to color recognition and the use of colors, that the UN, World Health Organization, UNICEF, they all use the light blue color. It's all light blue. What else is light blue? Isn't the Star of Remfan uh, light blue on the old Israeli flag? People call it the Star of David. It's not. It's way worse. There's no such thing as the Star of David, but, you know, this is just awful. I can't finish reading this document because it's just too long. This particular article is very long. What they do have here, though, is they have examples of all of their posters that they would put up in schools. They have uh, the, the books, examples of the books. Oh, good Lord. It's just, it's super graphic. It's terrible. Uh, and it is what it is. But ladies and gentlemen, this I mean, these are the global organizations pushing this, and it's been in American K-12 schools for a very long time. This isn't necessarily a new thing. This has been around for a long time, and it's just, you know, it's getting worse. And again, the very people who allow this within their school systems are pedophiles, and that's what we have to call them. We have to call them pedophiles. It's what they are. It's who they are. It's what they do. It's what they advocate for. And yeah, they should be wiped from the face of the planet. That's my opinion. But uh, there you go. So stopworldcontrol.com. I will link that in the description below. Uh, backslash who sex. W-H-O-S-E-X. Slash. Okay. Moving on. I have another education story here I want to bring up briefly. You've, you've heard me mention the L.A. County school system, of course. They've been on strike for a very long time. This was sent to me by a listener of the show. It comes from Fox News. It's titled, New Contract Would Raise Average L.A. Teacher Salary to $106,000 and Lower Class Size. Now, it has yet to be approved, and as we all know, money will not fix this problem. There are endless people, students, I should say, and certainly teachers, who are no longer attending these environments because they are degenerate, and there's, there's no place for it. Within the article, it says the following. It says, quote, After 11 months at the bargaining table and failed efforts to reach an agreement that resulted in district-wide school closures, the UTLA and the LAUSD reached a tentative agreement for the years 2022 through 2025, that provides a 21% wage increase. It says, uh, additionally, the agreement contains improvements to teachers' working conditions, a boosted pay for substitutes, support for immigrant students and families, and enforceable class size caps for special education. They're not attending anymore. They're jabbed, they're sick, they're dying. The, the, the school classroom size issue isn't a problem, except for the fact that they're always taking in illegals. This continues to be a nationwide law that should be abolished. We should not be, ex we should not be accepting illegal aliens within American schools. American schools shouldn't exist, but this is what's happening in the future is ultimately all of these classrooms will be filled with illegals. 
It says the agreement has yet to get approval. The UTLA board recommends that its members vote yes on approving the tentative agreement. And according to UTLA's new release, approximately 35,000 teachers, nurses, counselors, and educational staff will be eligible to vote on the agreement in ratification votes to be scheduled in the coming weeks. Money won't fix the problem. They're still teaching lies. They're inviting in endless illegals. I've written about that on Substack at length. These are not educational environments. They are indoctrination camps. They're brainwashing camps. And money, uh, increased pay for these people isn't going to change their minds or cause them to dedicate their life to study. It just won't. In fact, it's just going to make them lazier. That's all. It'll make them lazier. They won't have to show up. They'll be making plenty of money. They'll continue to milk the system for all that it's worth and take everything out of it that they have to. And that's about it. The personal behaviors will not change. They will, they will get worse. They'll just get worse. So there's that. All right. Jab-related stuff. Here we go. This was making the rounds the other day. I provided my brief translation. I'm going to read the title of this from Gateway Pundit and then, uh, and then again highlight kind of my translation because, again, a lot of people are reading through the lines here. The title of it was the following, FDA monovalent Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines are no longer authorized, new protocols announced. Here's, here's what they've done. They've basically said, remember all those first shots that, that we were giving people, those first bioweapons that we were giving people in, 2020, in late 2020, early 2021, and throughout 2021? We're not giving those anymore. So they're telling people. They're saying now we're just going to give them the ones that we came up with later that allegedly go after all these other fake variants that don't exist. And then, of course, they're using the age range also to uh, continue to promote their use, that they're normalizing this among six-month-olds all the way to 12 years old and everybody after that. So don't worry about the initial jabs that we were giving people that were killing them. We want you to take the newest jabs that we've created that are doing the exact same thing. That's basically it. I'm not sure uh, how else I can summarize it. Most other people are summarizing it the same way. And there you go. Which brings me to this, and I want to play this audio. This was Rochelle Walensky the other day testifying uh, and being asked, I'm sure, a a series of lengthy questions. There's this one clip that's going around. I'm going to play it right here. And this right here is the epitome of excuse making, and, and we can see what their plan is in order to snake their way out of this, so they think. They're using the fake variant narrative and the fake virus narrative and the word science to weasel their way out of what they've done regarding these shots and transmission and people getting sick and people dying. So I want to play that audio now, and then I'll come in at the end, and you'll hear the excuse-making and what their plan is for further excuse-making and a way to weasel their way out of murdering uh, 12 million, or sorry, 20 million-plus people. And that number continues to grow. So here's the uh, devil herself in three, two, one. Director Walensky. In March 2021 on MSNBC, you stated that, quote, vaccinated people do not carry the virus. They don't get sick. Do you remember making that statement? 
Yeah, under the, I do, well, I remember such statements. I don't know if I remember that one. Okay, was that statement correct? At the time it was. It was a wild type uh, virus that we had. It was, um, even before the alpha variant, it was the initial wild type virus. And all the data at the time suggested that um, people who were vaccinated, um, even if they got sick, couldn't transmit the virus to someone else. All right, is that statement still correct? Um, well, so we've had an evolution of science and an evolution of the virus. We have, since that wild type virus, had the alpha variant, the Delta variant, now the Omicron variant, and numerous subvariants since. That statement is no longer correct with the Omicron subvariants we have right now. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be the legal defense. The quote, at the time, unquote. At the time. At the time, it was this. And we were correct at the time. But, you know, because things change and things mutate, these invisible things that don't exist mutate. At the time we were correct, but now that doesn't seem to be the way that it is because, you know, things evolve, science evolves, and that's, that's a fact of life. The whole thing is a fairy tale. The whole thing. You've heard me go over it time and time again. It's exhausting. There are no viruses. They do not exist. There is only poison. You put poison in your body, either willfully or without your knowledge. It alters the cells in your body, and then you get around other people. And then other people's immune systems recognize your abnormal immune system. And in an effort to protect itself, your immune system becomes disrupted as a result of their disrupted immune system. Hence the uneasiness or dis-ease that exists within people. Disease. That's it. It's that simple. At the time is not going to be a logical excuse, in particular when you throw the truth right back at them. They're getting away with it right now, and politicians are letting them get away with it. Why? Because politicians are in on it also. They're profiting from this too, and it's disgusting. So here's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to shift gears slightly, but here's something that I'd like to find out about and something that I wonder if it's actually taking place. You've heard me, you've heard me cover the, the subject of the jabs and sterility and infertility and childbirth and all of that. I wonder whether or not there's a longitudinal study taking place having to do with jabbed biological parents who give birth to a child, and then what happens with that child over the course of time. Point being, there has to be a longitudinal study that takes place with this fertility. I know that it's already occurred very early on, and I, of course, made mention of that publicly, and a lot of other people have too, but I would like to know how many individuals are, again, jabbed and reproducing. And if this is happening and how frequently this is happening. And then again, what are the long-term, specifically, what are the long-term impacts of the actual child themselves? So, I don't know. I'll have to do a little more digging on that to see if that even exists or if that's even taking place. But uh, there is this, which I wanted to mention also. It's been shown now, scientifically, that, well, ivermectin works. There was a post here on greatawakening.win. It said, read and weep, ivermectin deniers. 
Wash the blood from your hands and then get down on your hands and knees and beg for forgiveness from the families of the COVID dead, the vaccine injured, and the COVID hospitalized. It says, breaking, we now have a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial involving 399 people that found that ivermectin reduced the risk of infection following exposure to SARS-CoV-2 by up to 72%. I have added the link to the article in my uh, giant list now of COVID-related peer-reviewed articles. So that's just another one that's on the list. It says, further, those in the ivermectin group also had a 96% lower risk of becoming infected with a high viral load. Of course, viruses aren't real. It's just abnormal human cells. It says the evidence is now irrefutable. Ivermectin is substantially more effective and safer than the experimental vaccines. It's not even close, unquote. And the title of the article is the SAIVE trial, Post-Exposure Use of Ivermectin in COVID-19 Prevention, Efficacy and Safety Results. 96% 96% improvement and 72% improved case rate, it says. Again, let me see here. Uh, I'll read the conclusion in discussion. The conclusion says this study demonstrated highly statistical, significant evidence in a large randomized, double blind, placebo controlled study that the daily oral treatment with ivermectin reduced the risk of infection following exposure to SARS CoV 2. Well, there is no SARS-CoV-2. It's just a biological weapon that's been injected into people. Uh, Then says, ivermectin was also shown to be safe in doses and duration higher than currently used in approved indications. And then the discussion, ivermectin demonstrated a significant efficacy in preventing COVID infection in a post-exposure setting as compared to placebo group. The lower viral loads observed with ivermectin could potentially indicate a lower risk of disease severity and a lower contagiousness. We can hypothesize that ivermectin would be a valuable tool in the protection of a at-risk or at-risk populations in addition to vaccination, it says. I don't know why, but yeah. I guess they're saying it helps the vaccinated too, or those who took the bioweapon. I, I, I don't get that sentence. But anyway, it says effic- efficacy rather of ivermectin administration was similar regardless of the subvariant during the trial. Because subvariants aren't real. That's why. The variant thing is a giant hoax. 60% of infections were related to Omicron, BA.5, and 40% to BA.1.1, and the significance of results is equivalent to overall RRR, don't know what that means, on the whole population in both subgroups. There are no subgroups. There's no, there's no variants. The, the variant thing is exhausting and a, <laughs> a colossal hoax. I'm shocked. But again, the enemy is using it as an excuse to, uh, you know, justify their stance on particular things and get away with murder. Well, we can't let that happen. Okay. Here's the next thing I wanted to bring up. And this is, uh, this is interesting. I just want to read some bullet points from this. This is from Undercurrents, a particular blog post, if I'm not mistaken, from April 18th. And it is titled, 
U.S. tracking unvaccinated people. So there's five bullet points here at the top, and I want to read through them. Here we go. Number one, the U.S. government has secretly been tracking those who didn't get the COVID jab or are only partially jabbed through a previously unknown surveillance program. The next one says, within days, fact checkers tried to debunk the idea that individual people are being tracked or that these data could be misused by government or third parties. The third one says, COVID vaccination, quote unquote, status was not considered a private medical matter at all during 2021 and 2022. Yet mainstream media now want you to believe that your COVID jab status is protected by medical privacy laws. The next one says your medical data are not nearly as private as you think. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, is rife with exemptions when it comes to your privacy. Federal agencies such as Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, for example, are exempt from the privacy clause, and can access identifiable data, especially if there's an outbreak of infectious disease, be it real or fictitious. And then the final one says government agencies and a number of third parties or covered entities can also use a number of loopholes to re-identify previously de-identified patient data, unquote. Yikes. U.S. National Center for Health and Statistics is tracking us. Uh, The CDC, of course, Health and Human Services is tracking us. And it goes on and on and on. And they've got the receipts and they got the numbers and the proof. And this is undeniable. This is also something, of course, that you've heard Kim Carter bring up on the show when she was on and uh, being a nurse herself. She specifically knows this. It's in the hospital, of course, in doctor's databases. They ask you if you've been jabbed. That's a question that you'll receive every single time that you go. And there's a box that they either check or they check, nope, hasn't received it. And then much like some mail that even my dad has described receiving from his insurance company, it's, uh, it's these wellness checks that they want older individuals to have. Would you like a nurse to come to your house and uh, they can give you a checkup and who knows, maybe even jab you a few times with the old COVID bioweapon? It's absolutely nuts. I mean, these people want to go door to door to kill people and they're already doing it because we have to assume that they're promoting those kinds of practices because they're getting away with it. They're showing up to the elderly's homes and don't forget your booster, Grandpa, and they're jabbing Grandpa and Grandma to the bone. And before you know it, there's no more Grandma and Grandpa. But it's not the jab's fault. Again, this surveillance stuff is alarming, and it's not going away. Again, we know what the long-term ramifications are. They want to be able to limit our ability to access particular things if we haven't been jabbed. I don't know, tack on extra fines if we find ourselves in a hospital. And of course, they've already done this at great length, not perform a particular surgical procedure if we're not jabbed, among endless other things. So 
that that may persist in the future. We'll we'll have to see about that. I'll end with this though. This was from a few days back. It was from vaccineimpact.com and it's titled Outrage US government finally compensates first petitioners of COVID-19 vaccine injuries. Three people awarded an average of $1,500 for damaged hearts. And that's it. You're permanently damaged. You'll be dead in nine years. Here's $1,500. Sorry about that. It says, after 674,375,206 doses of COVID-19 vaccines, quote-unquote, injected into over 270 million Americans over the past two-plus years and over 11,000 petitions from COVID-19 vaccine, quote-unquote, injured people filed with the U.S. government's Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. The U.S. government just announced the first settlements for COVID-19 vaccine injuries. Three people two of whom have now damaged hearts, myocarditis, were awarded a total of $4,638, I'm sorry, $34.89, an average of about $1,500 per person. I'm telling you, the lawsuits aren't going to fix this. They just aren't. It has to be mass noncompliance and doing what we can to make these institutions destitute. Hospitals, doctors, all of them. Just stop going. If they have no patience, then they can't exist as a practice. They can't continue their practice. They're going to have to close their doors. This is where we have to move the entire system. We have to move the narrative in that direction. And I'll tell you what, I'll end with this quote. Also, again, a quote directly from a book written by a historic figure whose birthday happened to be on Thursday. Again, ask yourself if this is an approach. Ask yourself if this makes sense or not. Ask yourself if this is relevant even today. It says the following, quote, During my struggle for existence in Vienna, I perceived very clearly that the aim of all social activity must never be merely charitable relief which is ridiculous and useless, but it must rather be a means to find a way of eliminating the fundamental deficiencies in our, econo in our economic and cultural life, deficiencies which necessarily bring about the degradation of the individual or at least lead him towards such degradation. The difficulty of employing every means, even the most drastic, to eradicate the hostility prevailing among the working classes toward the state is largely due to an attitude of uncertainty in deciding upon the inner motives and causes of this contemporary phenomenon. The grounds of this uncertainty are to be found exclusively in the sense of guilt which each individual feels for having permitted this tragedy of degradation. For that feeling paralyzes every effort at making a serious and firm decision to act. And thus, because the people whom it concerns are vacillating, they are timid and half-hearted in putting into effect even the measures which are indispensable for self-preservation. 
when the individual is no longer burdened with his own consciousness of blame in this regard, then and only then will he have that inner tranquility and outer force to cut off drastically and ruthlessly all the parasite growth and root out the weeds. Unquote. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. He was discussing it back then. It was being discussed and written about back then, and it mattered back then. And look what's happening to our culture now. Look what people are refusing to do. They're refusing to walk away. They're continuing to be reliant on the very system that's getting them killed. We have to walk away from this system in any and all ways humanly possible, and then continue to educate people about what's going on. As we, of course, watch the perpetual decline among those individuals who refuse to learn and refuse to understand what's actually taking place. It's a difficult time. It's a tough time. And that's putting it mildly, but we have to keep exposing this the best we can. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end it there. Have a great weekend. I will catch you on Monday. Make sure and check out the description below for the linked documents and articles that I referenced, and I will upload those on the website under government documents as well. With that said, I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.